Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Happy Tuesday. We are live here for the WRCU crew. Jake Schmid, Dylan Allen, Brant Wolf finally returning, and Chris Sakonis. Brant, how are you doing, man? We haven't heard from you in a little bit. How, how's it going? Yeah, I had a I had a lot going on really. Um, with you know just everything that the world's dealing dealing with me lately, but uh, I'm doing good now, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm back, and uh, yeah, I'm back now. He's stronger. He's coming back stronger. I like to hear that. Chris, how are you doing? I know midterms are uh, taking a toll on you a little bit. Chris Aconis, you there? Well, I can answer that for him. Yeah, mid midterms are, are definitely we weird and, and hard and hard now because of the whole online thing. And a lot of times, I find myself like somewhat, as bad as it sounds, somewhat forgetting about a class, and then realizing, oh wait, wait, I had I had this coming up because you have to stay on top of so many things. I'm a very face to face person, so not going to class and having a teacher telling you like, oh, this is going to be due then, it, it makes it difficult. So I'm a little stressed out about it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough time. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing? How are, how are midterms doing for you? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, not much to complain about. Um, just annoying having to study a lot and write papers and stuff like that. But other than that, I'm just excited to be talking sports for two hours here and take a break from all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I still can't believe that Proctor Track, they're having issues with that or something. I heard they're like... They might not use it for the rest of the semester. I don't know. I don't have any classes. It like totally. Yeah, crashed, I mean, my math class pretty much. Um, they use, I think, pretty much all the math classes use Proctor Track. Uh, my class specifically hasn't had any issues, but I've heard from friends that take Calc that their classes have issues with Proctor Track and that it might not be a thing soon. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Well. None of my exam. I, I've been very lucky. Only one of my exams were actually proctored at all. The other two were kind of just doing whatever. And then my uh, my uh, journalism classes don't have exams; they just have projects. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've I've been lucky enough to avoid proctor track to this point. I've heard awful things about it, so it doesn't surprise me that it's a complete and utter disaster. Um. Dylan, you said you had to use it for uh, calc. It was? Yeah, um, man. For my math classes, like for exams and stuff, uh, it's it's kind of it's really weird just because when you're taking a quiz, if you you have to, they, there's people watching you through the webcam. It's you know, and so then when you like look somewhere or you know look oh, wow. left or right to write down something on a piece of paper or you know if you're allowed to use a calculator, they might think it's looking at like a phone or something or cheating. And they flag you for that, and then it's a whole thing trying to clear it up, and it's just it's a whole mess because obviously you know what you did, and they have no clue looking through a little square webcam, you know, just seeing your face pretty much. Um, I just feel like it's a it's a big issue in the making. Yeah, that's very interesting. I have not had any issues with that, but or using Proctor Track at all. I mean, thank God I took my uh, my math classes. Freshman year, it was not fun. I cal calculus is not fun. I know Chris feels the same way about um, calculus. You see, I I got lucky. 
Um, my calc professor didn't use Proctor Track. We just used a lockdown browser, which is basically like, yeah, you have the camera, but it doesn't flag you every time you look to the left or the right. It just stops you from clicking on other tabs. So oh, wow. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any real problems with that. That's interesting. And the best part is, didn't even cheat. There you go, and and you passed. So. <laughs> there you go. But we'll switch over to the Rutgers You're football the news. It's it's game week. It's finally game week uh, here. Game finally. at Michigan State on Saturday. It'll actually be the first time in Rutgers' Big Ten history that they open the open the season at a Big Ten opponent, given all the coronavirus restrictions and the new protocols that have uh, made uh, have have uh, we've engaged with uh, now in this in this new season that is going to be different for everybody across the country and any, every conference participating in action. Um, they'll be back, back uh, reunited is Greg Schiano. He's back at the helm. And Chris, you know, they released the depth chart yesterday and no, there's an interesting surprise at quarterback. They put an or next to Noah Vidrol and Art Sikowski. Um, no Johnny Langan listed, listed. It's just a two deep um, at that position. Yep. Um, not even Cole Snyder, who he played a couple snaps and saw and uh, saw a little bit of a smaller role with Johnny Langan last year. Could you foresee them integrating Langan at all, just because he has that familiarity with playing last season? But he was still playing under uh, interim head coach at the time, uh, Nunzio Campanelli. What do you really make of that? Or anybody could jump in. What do you guys really make of this situation? I mean, at I, I, I don't think they're going to, I don't think Johnny Lang, at least you're not going to see him uh, my thing about know, it. this week. Oh, not, not this Sorry, week, I... but yeah. No, keep, keep going. Keep going. He asked you first. So you yeah. Um, my connection uh, uh, broke out there again. I, I was going to say, I don't expect to see Langan too, too much because uh, Shano didn't really talk about him too much in the press conference when he was asked about the quarterbacks. He focused more on, Sikowski, Vedral, and he also mentioned Cole Snyder a bit. Cole Snyder was a redshirt freshman last year. Um, I don't think he'll get a ton of snaps either, but um, we could see him at some point. He mentioned he, the way he put it was um, Sikowski and Vedral are like neck and neck. They're in like one tier, and then there's a very small drop-off between the two of them and Cole Snyder. So it's going to be a competitive quarterback room, which I think can only be good. Uh, for Rutgers because they really struggled at that position. So if that competition is really edging guys to get better, um, uh, that that's definitely beneficial. Yeah, and I saw something come out the other day, and it was I think it was the same pre- press conference you're referring to. Um, he basically just said that it's going to be between Sikowski and Vedral, and it's just going to be a you know a competition throughout practice up until they said a game time decision. So we might not even know until you know, a couple hours before the game on Saturday, who would be starting between Vedral and, and Sikowski. Yeah, yeah, it is going to be uh, interesting to see how that fares. I'm just looking at the depth chart, and one thing that strikes me is that this offense, this passing offense, is going to be a lot more improved, I think, than last season. You look at the wideout spot, you have Bo Melton coming in for his senior year. He he held in a team-leading receptions, team-leading yards and touchdowns from the receiver standpoint last season. But you also have in uh, Aaron Cruikshank, from Wisconsin, he's coming in as the junior who is, we all know about how highly touted he was as the kick returner with the bowl game and the touchdown he had off the kick return for the Badgers. And he's coming into his own as a wide receiver in the slot almost is what they're projecting him in. I really like that as well, but there's an under the radar uh, uh, prospect on our prospect of uh, position is tight end, right? We have Giovanni Haskins coming in from Richard Jr. from West Virginia or last season. You know, he had three starts in 11 games. 
And he was actually a preseason All-Big 12 pick for the third team, which is very impressive playing in West Virginia where you go up against Oklahoma, you go up against Oklahoma State, top teams, Texas Tech, Texas, top teams like that. Um, and he was named the Mackey Award watch list as well. So this is, you know, I don't think we've talked a lot about Giovanni Haskins and tight ends we've known with, like, Jonathan Lewis and some of the elements that Jonathan Lewis had as a tight end. Um, and now we have Giovanni Haskins for his senior year uh, transfer. You know, Chris, I think this really kind of can bolster this offense. They can use a tight end more, and they didn't really use a tight end last season. Yeah, and, you know, looking at Giovanni Haskins, his numbers from 2019 aren't that impressive. But you look at 2018, um, he picked up, I think it was like 300-something yards. Um, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, um, but he was a pretty productive tight end for um, West Virginia. Actually, let me pull up his numbers right now. Because I was doing uh, my prep yesterday for the game, and I um, and I noticed uh, that he had a pretty productive 2018 um, as a freshman. So and he um, and he actually was at Miami first, University of Miami uh, down in Florida. That's right. In yeah, Coral he was Gables, but he was redshirted. redshirted and then left. Yeah, yes. but he um, he's back on in New Jersey now. He's from Bergenfield. He was a three star, a three year starter at Bergenfield. He played quarterback, running back, tight end, kicker, punter, yep. defensive lineman, and linebacker. That's a versatile group of positions right there. Yeah, here were his stats. Now um, it was it was I overestimated a bit. It was sixteen catches, one hundred forty eight yards, and a touchdown. So that's about nine or so yards per reception. And he got a touchdown there for a redshirt sophomore who was playing his first full year of college football in 2018. That's pretty good. And I think that, you know, with Rutgers being a little thin at the tight end spot, he'll be lining up with Alimo. Jonathan Lewis is going to be in the mix as well. Uh, Haskins gave an opportunity to get a lot of early looks at the football. Yeah, and I want to touch on one thing with Haskins that's really striking to me is that he was rated as the top tight end in New Jersey by Scout in 2015 during his senior year. But the one thing that stands out to me is that he had a 17-yard reception against a top-tier number six Oklahoma defense two years ago, which was, that was all we know that was when Kyler Murray was on the program. You know, he was quarterback, but they had a very good secondary. They were one of the best in the Big 12, um, Oklahoma. They really held opponents, opponent opposing wideouts, really, to less than, like, a touchdown, not even. Like, they opponents had so much trouble. I remember watching Oklahoma's um, defense on TV because there was a couple national games, and they would play, like, Texas or Texas Tech and be on, like, Fox or something. But those are that's some pretty good – a little bit of a good lens to look at um, Haskins as he comes back to Jersey to finish up his senior year. I mean, you know, he came into Miami as a freshman, right? He didn't see game action. Then he sat out yeah. in 2017 – to the transfer requirements, but he played in all in 12 games and then appeared on special teams too, so he can block too. That's what that tells me. Matt Alimo, uh, really, he's good at blocking. He's gotten better at blocking. He also was a transfer from UCLA. He's also a Jersey native coming back here. But it, I really, I do like that both of them can really, you know, feed off each other's energy. And, you know, I think both of them probably use maybe on the kickoff units and the different offensive sets as well. Yeah, and I, I think Alimo is a pretty intriguing prospect. That uh, well, I shouldn't call him a prospect anymore. He's in his second year with the team, but uh, he's a pretty intriguing guy. Uh, Haskins is uh, 251 pounds. Uh, Alimo's a little bit lighter at 238, but they they both got big frames. They both can block if they need to. Um, although I do see uh, Haskins and Alimo being used more in the receiving game. 
Uh, I don't see a lot of jumbo sets uh, coming up for Greg here. That's just sort of how I think the offense is going to run more, uh, more up-tempo, more motion. I'm, I go back and forth, going back to the quarterback situation on uh, who they ultimately end up going with. It seems to be, and I mentioned this yesterday, it seems to boil down between uh, experience and better fit for the system. I think Noah Vedral is a slightly better fit for the system than Art Sikowski. He's a little more mobile, a little more experienced in terms of playing college football games. But Sikowski has better chemistry with most of the receivers on the team, uh, with the exception, of course, of uh, Aaron Kirkshank, who wasn't on the roster last year. But for the most part, Sikowski knows these receivers. He knows their tendencies. He did look uh, to be a bit improved over his freshman year before he redshirted after uh, – after four games in 2019. So I do think, you know, this would be a new and improved Art Sikowski that we'd be seeing if he ends up being the starter. But it comes down to, do you think that, do you, what do you value more if you're the Rutgers coaching staff? Art Sikowski's chemistry with his receivers or Noah Vedral's fit with the system? That's I mean, personally I would have to go with the, maybe the, the fit of the system. And you mentioned his okay. ability to be, you know, an athletic quarterback. And I think that that might be a very a very big thing for Rutgers this year, especially because, you know, our offensive line struggles that, that has been with us the past couple of years. Uh, I just feel like a more, a more, a quarterback that can run the ball and be able to get outside the pocket and make plays and throw downfield to our very quick receivers like Bo Melton. Um, I just think that that's what Rutgers needs now just because the offensive line play has not been what it should be and what we hope it to be. Arter Sikowski reminds me more of a pocket passer, just kind of stands back and just, you know, tosses it up or just throws it, whatever. But I, I, I don't think we have the, the ability. I think just having the ability to run out of the pocket is what Rutgers needs, and I think Vedral offers that more than Sikowski. And I think that the chemistry with the receivers – Yes, that's a good point, but I think that, um, you know, I, I don't think there was, there might be some chemistry there, but they've only played one season, right? And then there, there has been no practices. Now, they might be practicing on their own time, but it's obviously limited, and it's it's not what a normal season would be like. So the chemistry between re the receivers and Sikowski might not be as big as we think it is. So having Vedral there and just his athletic ability, I feel like is more valuable to Rutgers this year. Yeah, I think I so, see, too. Oh, Brent, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I want to see Sikowski. I mean, personally, I, I think it's good that there's some competition going, um, which personally I, I think is great because he was about to leave us. If, uh, if you guys – I mean, obviously, I know you guys remember, but he was about to leave us, and since Shiano signed back, signed back on, he decided to stay. So this kid clearly thinks highly of himself, which I, I do like, but I also think it's good that he's humbled. You get a graduate in there who is going to give him a little bit of competition. You got to step up, step up to the plate. And now, I mean, look, I, he, he's got to be the guy, and I don't want to see a short leash on him, really. Like, I, I, I know there is a leash on him, but I, I think you should let him rock for a couple games before you yank that leash. Yeah, and I think to touch on your point, Brent, you know, there's a couple things I look at when you're looking at evaluating the quarterback position. One is, me and Chris, you've talked about this, the depleted offensive line, right? You have, you know, the only veterans really on this offensive line is Reggie Sutton, who barely played last season. He was in and out. But Nick Kremen, who's a consistent starter at right guard, and Raekwon O'Neal, who's a consistent starter at left tackle. 
They have uh, Olaf Kunle Fatukasi's brother made it too deep as a true freshman as a left tackle, Tunde. And then Brian Felter, another freshman, uh, cracked the too deep, the depth chart as well. They're most likely going to be available on Saturday. So they're going to, you know, they're going to get very younger, younger quick. Um, you know, they lost Michael Maietti to the transfer. Um, you know, it was very tough to see that. Zach Vineski graduated last year. Another tough loss as well for the offensive line. Those are two of their productive guys. And now you have Brendan Bordner stepping in, Cedric Pallant. Uh, it's going to be interesting, really, to see how this offensive line can block as a unit, uh, whether it is Art or it's Noah. Um, and I think that the other thing that's going to help is that this receiver core with Aaron Crookshank, Shameen Jones, a senior, he's back. Um, but Crookshank's got another year left on him, too. He's got two years of eligibility coming in here, which is great. Um, he's he's going to be able to flow with this offense. He'll carry over uh, to next season pending he, he remains here. And I think that, you know, we still have Isaiah Pacheco. He's supposed to be poised for a big year. Aaron Young had uh, some decent numbers as a kickoff returner a little bit as well. But, you know, it's going to depend on the scheme. It's going to depend on who Shiano's going to want to see um, under center and line up. Art's got the chemistry with the uh, receivers, but Noah Bidrell fits into Gleason's offensive coordinator, his schemes a little bit more. So I could see, honestly, I could see Vedral starting it out. But I don't think it's just going to be a situation like last year where we had McLean Carter. And, um, and we all know what happened with McLean Carter, too. Yeah, we know what happened to McLean Carter, but that's probably not going to happen here. Um, going back to your point about the offensive line, I've got the two deep in front of me now. Two freshmen and a sophomore. Uh, the two freshmen, as you mentioned, Tunde Fadakasi and Brian Felter. And then uh, CJ Hansen, the sophomore, uh, is the backup. Actually, not the backup center. It's split between him and Brendan Bordner, the senior. So we could have a sophomore potentially starting at, at center uh, for the Scarlet Knights at offensive line, which, you know, losing my Eddie was a pretty big blow. I think that's going to really limit them and center. And, and a lot of casual football fans, I feel like don't fully understand or appreciate this, but center is a very important position in football. It's like the catcher to the quarterback being the pitcher, if that makes sense. Uh, they're, they're organizing the offensive line. They're communicating with the quarterback, uh, all these little things that happen pre-snap. And of course they got a block too. So putting a sophomore like Brent, like uh, CJ Hansen potentially in that position in the big 10, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that the kid's not good enough, but ha lacking that experience could end up being a burden to the Scarlet Knights just because it's such a physically demanding and difficult league to play in. So um, that'll be something interesting. I think if I had to guess, I'd say Bordner would probably get more of the snaps just because he is a senior. Um, but that'll be something to watch. Uh, the center spot could low-key be one of the more important uh, question marks on this depth chart heading into the game and into the season. Yeah, I'm right with you there, Chris. I'm looking at Brendan Bordner's uh, numbers and where he lined up. He was a defensive lineman since he's been enrolled at Rutgers since 2017 when he enrolled and participated in spring practice. He played all 12 games on the defensive line last season. This is actually his first uh, crack at the offensive line. Even in high school when he played at uh, Hillard Bradley in Columbus, Ohio, he was a defensive end there. and He was recruited as a defensive end. So not even on top of that, you know, we might see Henson be forced to step up if Bordner's making this switch from one line to the other. And this is a very, it's very tough as a center to kind of switch from a defensive end, defensive line mindset where you're rushing the quarterback to now you have to block and you're still in the trenches, but you're on the other side. 
And I think that's going to really play into how Shiano and how they're going uh, is going to evaluate Brendan Bordner. I mean, he does have the experience. He's been here uh, for three years. It's his senior year, but he was on the defensive line before, and he was named academic All Big Ten and and the whatnot. But he only he only totaled uh, twenty tackles last season. But you know, we're going to see how this really fares. This offensive line is, I think, it's a bigger question mark than we think, to be honest. Well, it's a huge question mark, and I mean, it's not so much you know how he did on the defensive line. The fact is, both of them have very limited experience being the center of a Big Ten offensive line. And that's going to be difficult. That's not that's not something you should overlook. And I, I will say this, uh, whatever Big Ten games Rutgers potentially wins this year, it's going to be more because of their defense than their offense. Um, because the defense, I think, is shaping up to be pretty solid. I, I mean, I wouldn't say they're, they're going to be world beaters, but I'd say that they're, this is a unit that Greg Schiano can work with and can really get the most out of. Um, they get back Elam Lamore, Mike Tverdov, um, Michael Dwumfer and Robin Judretton, I think a lot of people are kind of sleeping on them a bit. Uh, Richie Schneider, I mentioned this yesterday, he thinks Dwumfer could be really good in the nose tackle spot. So um, this defense is pretty solid, I think. And I'm cautiously optimistic that uh, they'll be able to make some plays, hopefully for some turnovers. Uh, they've got Brendan White, Trey Avery, and Avery Young. That's a solid one, two, three crunch. Christian Izian is going to be in there too as the other safety. So... They've got some talent to work with. Yeah, they do. And I really like the secondary. I like how you touched on that, especially, you know, Brendan White coming in here. We know how highly touted uh, that he was as a transfer. Um, I really like, I think I agree with Richie. I think Michael Dwumfor is going to be great. You know, he he's played under Shiano's schemes at Ohio State when he was there. Um, played in a couple bowl games. He knows how the schemes go. And this offensive line is a veteran defensive line. They're all upperclassmen. It's a Verdol, Alorm Lumor, too, who's a defensive end, who was that jack position with CJ Onyechi. Alorm Lumor, we didn't know if he was going to be back. He's back now. I really think he could have a breakout year as well. He was very good with rushing the quarterback and rushing the pocket. And I think to Verdol, Lumor, Dwumfor, and Yudrutten lining up, and all of those guys lining up, that's a solid defensive front, I think, as they're more mature. Um, Tyshawn Fogg coming back is great um, as a senior. You know, he keeps doing what he's doing. Maybe he goes to the NFL. I don't know. But he's been – he's a captain last season. He's a good vocal voice for this defense, probably pro, arguably the most vocal. And I think that, you know, he's going to be calling out the signals that plays defensively. And I think that you're going to see a lot more of the same cover blitz spreads last season. But I think they're, uh, they're going to be much improved. Uh, defensively, Chris. Yeah, I think you're completely right on that, Schmid. And I think just the coaching change alone is going to be a lot um, because we know that Greg Schiano is a very good defensive coach. We know that he's able to get the most out of his players. I'm also interested to see, uh, as we come towards the end of our first segment, I'm also interested to see how the special teams look. Block kicks, kick returns. Those kinds of things, and we know Aaron Krugshank can uh, can run it back. Um, those are the kind of things that Greg Schiano really made the Knights trademark his first go-around at Rutgers, and it'll be interesting to see how quickly he's able to reestablish that identity. Time for locks. On the Tuesday crew, Jake Schmid, Dylan Allen, Chris Sakonis, and Brant Wolf. 
lot of interesting stuff that you guys can choose. There's a World Series today. There's football slates um, coming up, college football lines even. Uh, who wants to start us off today? Who's got a good lock? I got one, though. Who do the Jets play this weekend? Whoever they play, uh, just, lock, just, just lock, lock on them. Lock on them. They're playing the Bills. No, but, but, oh, that's a, that's, that's a lock right there. But if you want to not use an easy one, uh, I like the Seahawks over the Cardinals this weekend. And tonight, it's not really a lock, but I'm, I'm liking the race. Sounds good. Who wants to go next? I'm still looking for my lock. Oh, I have one. Uh, I just, uh, on uh, FanDuel. All right, go ahead. 49ers Tom. versus the New England Patriots. 4.30 on Sunday. Um, I'm going to take the Niners here. It's plus two and a half. Um, you know, for, the Niners didn't look very good against Miami a couple weeks back. Um, but I think last week, this past week's win against the Rams, which is a very good football team, very good defensive team. I think that win um, and and how New England struggled so much against Denver, you know, without Von Miller and that defense, they were barely able to put up any points. Um I feel like this is just an easy, easy lock this week, plus two and a half for the Niners. Chris, what do you got for us? Uh, this isn't my lock, but since Brant brought it up, uh, the money line for the Buffalo Bills, this is an NFL game, keep in mind, minus 650. That is how much, uh, that's how low the Jets have fallen. Um, Jets, if you're crazy enough to bet them, is plus 480, and the point spread is 13 and a half. So oh, man. that's that's where that matchup is at. You could take them. You uh, could take them spread straight. Either, either one, the Bills are covering. No, 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 no. They're not. If the if the Jets have not been ended a game with less than two touchdowns outside of the Denver game, um, they lost last week so, by two touchdowns. More than that, wasn't it more? We, wait, wait, what was the, the point spread? I yeah, think, so I'm saying more than. Like, no, no, they've lost by more than two touchdowns in every game except for Denver. Oh yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. saying. You could take that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah, take yeah, yeah. bills. You could take bill spread, or you could take them, uh, or you could take them money on. Yeah, it was yeah, a 24 um, point actually, spread. Hang on, my uh, my screen uh, blocked out. Um, Schmidt, go ahead. Let me uh, see what I got here. All right, sounds good. I'm gonna go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Buccaneers favorite at minus three. They beat the Packers, which was very surprising. They trounced them uh, by 28 points, uh, 38 to 10 in that one. Um, we'll, you know, the Raiders. They beat the Chiefs last week, which was um, which was surprising to see. They won by eight in that game, that back and forth battle there. But I think the Buccaneers are going to win against the Raiders. I think the Buccaneers are doing pretty well, four and two already. Brady's been kind of coming into his own a little bit, you know, after a little bit of a struggle in the. Uh, opening week against the Saints, kind of rebounding from that. You know, I want to see how this progresses, too. Yeah, I'm going to go with, all right, we've got the Steelers against the Titans. Uh, Steelers are favored by minus two and a half. I'm going to pick the Titans to cover that, and actually, I'm just going to pick them to win. Uh, Titans have looked really good. Um, I have a, it's kind of a gut feeling, really. Um I just think Derrick Henry is going to be really hard to stop, and Ryan Tannehill is throwing the football really well. So I'm going to go with the Titans over the Steelers. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that's that's a good lock. I think that's a good one. He's been playing pretty well, too. Did 
Did you catch any of the Monday night games yesterday? Two of them, actually. I, I was I listening call, to I both of them. Yeah, I, I was listening to the second one uh, driving home from the station. Um, I mean, yeah. First thing, first things first is yeah. Andy Dalton is exactly who we thought we thought he was. Everyone was talking big on Andy Dalton, thinking that this was going to be something crazy going on with the Cowboys. But uh, their defense is absolutely atrocious. Andy Dalton looked atrocious. He threw the ball like fifty-four times, couldn't even get three hundred yards. Um, the other game, I mean, I, I kind of figured the Chiefs were going to win that one. The Bills are definitely good, but the Chiefs are just a level above everyone else, in my opinion, other than the Seahawks. Yeah, I didn't really think that, you know, Dalton was going to come into his own just yet. I mean, he just came off the bench, but that was just a brutal game. Ezekiel Elliott fumbled, I think it was twice. Um, he didn't really get much yardage at all in that game. It was very tough. The, the Cardinals defense was all shambles. over that. It's in complete shambles. I mean, Kyler Murray had two scores, but he was only nine of twenty-four. Yeah, he didn't even know they, they didn't yeah. even do any. They didn't do anything. Kenyon Drake has been mediocre all year, and this game against the poorest freaking Cowboys defense—they just ran all over him. I mean, you look at Michael Gallup too. No, I mean he dropped a easy touchdown from Andy Dalton. Um, and as a Giants fan, you know, it makes me a little upset seeing those nice catches he made last week against us on that, you know, game-winning drive for them, and then he just drops a, drops an easy touchdown. Um, but it was an all-around all terrible performance from the Cowboys. Coaching, defense, offense, everything you can think of, it was just terrible all, all around. And Kyler Murray looked very good yesterday, even though the Cowboys' defense is not the greatest. Um, I just Cliff, – Cliff Kingsbury – it's proven to me that he can he knows how to call a game and he knows how to fit a scheme around Kyler Murray and that and that offense and how it's just how it's just put together. Remember, they were like a very bad team two or three years ago right. when they drafted Josh Rosen, right? And now they're one of the biggest team like emerging teams in the in the league. Um definitely. I you know, I, 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 I just think I Cardinals look very good and the Cowboys just oh look terrible. I still need to see more from the Cardinals before I say anything just yet because I mean, just just some of the plays I see from Kyler, like he's good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, give him a little bit of time; he's gonna get even better. I don't see him regressing, but um, some of his throws I, I didn't really love. I and this Cowboys defense. I mean, you can't you can't really look at it because he he did a majority of his work with his legs, just running around the edge the whole game. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's gonna be a, as available to him against other teams. But still, he's got that. That Russell, that Russell Wilson mobility, but he doesn't quite nearly have his arm yet or his accuracy. Yeah, I, I see. We I see where you're coming from, and I think he also needs to work on his just passing game a little bit too, because you know that was a they just they ran the ball all over Dallas last night, and he finished nine for twenty passing. Um, yeah. So nothing, I mean, he's got to work on nothing. that in terms of you know accuracy or whatever the issue was going nine for twenty. But I mean. Um, don't no, forget, this is, his second, I mean, year. this is his second year. I'm sure exactly. he's still learning a lot. And I just think that this is a step in the right direction. And I think Arizona, a couple of years down the line, will look like a, a whole new team. Definitely. I, I, I agree with that. I just think some sometimes people need to pump the brakes on him a little bit. Early on in the season, they were calling for MVP here. And <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't that. I think he has MVP potential long term. This not year? This year but... yeah, no, not saying, this year. This... I'm saying long term. Yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. does. No, he's electric. He's electric. I, I just, I just want to pump the brakes on them a, a little bit. I know because people were 
talking crazy on Twitter and all that after they whooped up on the Cowboys like that. But didn't we'll one see. of his teammates like was it DeAndre Hopkins who said he should be considered for MVP? Was it Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald or someone like that? I remember probably seeing that in the news. I mean, yeah, in the beginning of the year, the first three games when they went when they were three and zero, I think I think two and zero or three and zero, they were they were calling for it. That's like that's too early in the year. Yeah, I'm with you, Brand, on that. Like it's just you know he's still developing, he's got to mature too. But they're on the right yeah. path, like nonetheless, especially with that Hopkins uh, acquisition too. Definitely. How many years do you think Larry Fitzgerald's got on him? I mean, he's just old. He's just old reliable. He had a couple good catches yesterday too. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't get injured, and the way he plays isn't really that. Um. I don't know what the right word is. Just, he's not really putting himself in danger too much while he's playing. And the other thing is that I think they could just keep him around, kind of like how Miami keeps around, you know, Udonis Aslam, just kind of as that, that figure on their team. I, I, Fitz is such an icon. I don't know if you can get rid of him without it being on his term. Yeah, you know, the same thing with, like, Jason Witten and the Cowboys all those years. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, he was a very good tight end. But, like, as of, you know, three years ago, he was like probably below average, and he was just on that team just as a veteran presence for that offense for a young quarterback like Dak. And the same thing goes for Kyler. I'm sure Larry teaches him a lot of things. Um, yeah, not even just, just regarding just their quarterback, um, their passing placement or well. stuff like that. Just having a veteran presence in the locker room for Kyler Murray, I'm sure it helps him out a lot. And you know, same went probably for Dak with Jason Witten. Can I just say something about the Cowboys while while we're on the subject? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. I am shocked at how quickly Mike McCarthy has lost the locker room in Dallas. Oh, it yeah, is yeah week we were six. talking about that today. He was considered like this respected elder statesman who like teams like the Jets were idiots for not hiring. And I'm not going to defend Adam Gase, but um, <laughs> six weeks into his first year in Dallas – and we're already hearing about how all the players think him and his staff are idiots who don't know what they're doing. Like, I've never seen a team turn on their coach that quickly. Am I, I, mean, am I the only one here? No, no, I, mean, I think little... you're reasonable with that. I mean, you know, look, he, we know what he did in Green Bay and stuff, but, you know, this season with Dallas, he wasn't really gifted with the best offensive line. He wasn't really gifted with the best No, they're just, in, they're just they're injured. They yeah, have they're... a good offensive line. They're just injured. Right, right. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. And just he's completely lost his hand, his reins. Like he's lost control of the of the locker room. I mean, you know, especially with hurts with Dak. I mean, that horrible injury to Dak. I mean, he was kind of a vocal leader as well. He's out now. You know, Danny, they just picked up Andy Dalton. You think they're? Do you think they're going to listen to Andy Dalton or or just like I guess Zeke has to emerge as a leader? No, I, that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, a, a little bit. I, I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy fan either, but. A, a little bit. I mean, this team. Come on, you. you they're averaging what? Like after after last night, it might be like thirty-one points a game. Their defense is letting up. I mean, that's a, again. You could put that a little bit on Mike McCarthy, and I, I think there is some blame there. But also, you got to be looking at your players. I mean, we. You know, you look at Dallas as a whole, and you know, just if you if you look in at their defense play this year, they're one of the the worst defenses ever. I mean. They Getting showed a graphic up. yesterday after the game. It was most points given up in the first six weeks in NFL history, and they are ranked five, and I believe they're tied with another team uh, at 218 points given up throughout the first six games. 
and all the other teams on that list are like from the 30s and 40s and maybe 50s. They are the only team in like the last 70 years or so to have given up over like 200 and something points for the first six weeks. And a lot of that blame goes to Mike McCarthy, and here's why. He hired Mike Nolan, who is their current defensive coordinator. The last time Mike Nolan was a defensive coordinator was in 2014 with the Atlanta Falcons, and they had the 30... They had the 31st ranked defense that year. That was the last time Mike Nolan had coached at the defensive coordinator position. And he has a 300 win percentage all time as a head coach. He coached for the 49ers for three years. So I believe he's like 19 and like 37 or something like that. So when you go out there and you and you keep Kellen Moore and you get rid of the defensive coordinator and hire a guy like Mike Nolan who his resume is a 300 win percentage as a head coach, and the last time he was a defensive coordinator, he had the 31st ranked team uh, defensively with the Falcons. I mean, with all those options out there, I'm just wondering what made Mike Nolan stand out to to Mike McCarthy to want to hire him and bring him on the staff. I mean, sometimes you can't. I mean, there, there might be something going on in, inside between them. It might not be necessarily like a numbers thing. Maybe he just likes him. And as a coach, you need somebody that will listen to you and can take your advice. And that you have a little bit of like a boss-like presence over, that could be what he was thinking. But, yeah, I agree. This Cowboys organization is a joke. It's always been. Even with that healthy, all they were going to do is get to the playoffs, maybe win one game. They weren't going anywhere. I mean, clearly not with this defense. Even when Dak was playing, they were still getting lit up. Okay, so going forward, right, with, you know, the NFC East, we know how atrocious this division is. They're separated by one game. All the teams have losing records. I think it was 5-18-1 is their record against everybody else. Uh, not that good. Um, what, what, do we, what do we think of the NFC East? Where do we, where do we go from here? The team with like a 7-9 and record or a 6-10 and record is, could be coming out of this spot with a, uh, with a playoff berth. What do we Giants think of that? could take it. Realistically, though, they could. I just want to say Ron Rivera is an idiot for going for two there and potentially set like in the NFC East, especially you don't need that many wins to be in the playoff hunt. I mean, the Giants could just as easily get Trevor Lawrence as they could make the playoffs. But (laughs) when you had a golden opportunity to tie the game and force overtime and you instead decide to mortgage it all on Kyle Allen to make a clutch uh, red zone play. Um, just idiotic. I, if I were if I were a uh, Washington fan, I would be really, really angry right now. I feel like all their fans are in limbo right now anyway. Who even knows? Listen, listen. They're very passionate about supporting the football team. The football team. The football team. When are we going to get this new nickname? Like next season, probably? Plot twist. Football team is the nickname. Oh, no. (laughs) The football team. Hey, it would be original. Yeah, I saw saw something come out today. Dan Snyder said that, uh, I think that's the owner of the Redskins. He said that they plan on having their name, the football team, through 2021 as well. So... It could be. It could. It might not be until you know 2022 that we don't see a new name for for Washington. I I, don't, I saw it on ESPN. Something we should put like this on the poll. We should put this on the poll. What comes first, actual name for Washington or coronavirus vaccine, or uh, Rutgers bowl birth? Yeah, I could I could possibly throw that in there. I think Rutgers bowl birth comes before. Who knows? 
Mm. Or a Jets win? Mm. <laughs> All right, right. Now you're pushing it. Now you're yeah, pushing it. Yeah, now, now we're starting to like you. Jets are going 0 16. It's not even. Their, their schedule wrong. is only getting harder. You're not wrong. They, you, thought, you thought they were going to rattle off of maybe one against the Dolphins. That doesn't look, look here, like that's here were, possible. Here were my... Although they, yes. they could now that, now that Fitz is on the bench, but still. Here's what my expectations were, and they sound crazy now, um, even though they weren't really that high. <laughs> no, These were my expectations before the season started. Um, when we still had Le'Veon Bell, and I thought that we would actually use him. And, you know, I thought that our we, we'd have a young, exciting team. I thought they could have won like six, seven games like they did last year. Oof. That's what I thought. I mean, the, I, the and I never that... liked Adam Gase, but I thought that they would at least be not historically bad. Uh, I know that's a pretty low bar to clear, but I thought the Jets could clear it. I was wrong. Now it's a fire sale. They're going to get rid of everybody and not looking good. The fact that you couldn't even get a low ball, even take a low ball offer on Lev is, is ridiculous. And I know that he had a massive contract and whatnot, and this could help help you somewhat money-wise. He, he was still he was still the guy that you signed this huge deal to to sell you tickets. Well, I mean, there's no no tickets being sold right now anyway. But this was still like your ticket selling guy, and and you couldn't get anything for him. It just looks it just looks bad. I think just his off the field presence kind of gave people maybe a little bit you know a worrisome kind of feeling. And uh, I don't know, I kind of get like an Odell vibe when we talk about Le'Veon just because like I feel like he's not on a good team that isn't winning games week in and week out that you know there's going to be some off the field issue you know regarding teammates or regarding head coach slander and speaking of head coaches um why hasn't Adam Gase been fired yet that's my question he hasn't I I mean I don't know how he hasn't been fired but my take on it well what the reports were saying was that they got rid of him because they actually liked Lev as a person and that that's why they wanted him to just get the best of both worlds and be able to choose where he wants to go, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous because there's still a GM and a fan base behind your organization and you're just going to worry, you're just going to put one man above every everyone else. I think that's kind of ridiculous, but Adam, Adam Gay should have been gone at the start of this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, it's just, I think it's a the Gase effect. Look at Tannehill now, right? Uh, he's evolved into a whole new quarterback in Tennessee. People, he's a, he's Darren Orlovsky on ESPN said that he thinks he's a top five quarterback in the league. So, well, that's why, he, I and you know, that and he had he one good year in Miami, and outside of that, injuries and and whatnot, Miami was not a very good team. Adam Gase no, comes he, to, to New York. Sam Darnold with a lot of promise and talent. You know, everyone thought he'd be a stud, and he so far hasn't really shown what he can fully do. And I think it's just Adam Gase holding them back, and I don't know yes. why he hasn't been fired yet. Um, can I? You know, you saw Dan Quinn from the Falcons get fired a couple weeks ago last week. Um, that was a long time coming. Um, you know, I just I don't know. I don't know what possibly the, you know, the owners and the chairmen of the Jets. I, I just don't know what they could be thinking. You know, in their head, like best case scenario, if we keep Gase, this will happen. You know, we'll win ten games next year. I, I don't. I just don't know what they see, and especially releasing their best player offensively in Le'Veon Bell. Uh, there's not much else to go off of, you know, to see a bright future other than just changing the head coach and how how the whole thing is run. That's just I don't know how that'll ever become a successful, you know, team if that just if the, that change just doesn't happen. And here's what I'm going to say about Sam Darnold. 
I still believe, and I think the Tannehill example reinforces this, I still believe he has all the tools, and with the right replacement for Adam Gase, he can be the franchise guy for the New York Jets. I understand Trevor Lawrence. I understand all that. I'm not saying that they necessarily shouldn't draft Trevor, but to think long and hard about this, if you're the New York Jets, and you know, God willing, they're under new leadership in the coaching staff, uh, by the time the draft rolls around, because if they're not, you know, there's going to be a really serious problem in Florida Park. But uh, I'll say this about the Jets. You have that, you have an option here. You could reset, trade Darnold. You'll probably get a decent haul for him because he's a promising young quarterback and draft Trevor Lawrence with number one overall pick. You could do that. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a wrong move. But if you think that Sam Darnold could still be the guy in New York, as I'm inclined to believe, think about you could trade. You already have two first rounders. You have two third rounders and a, and a second. So you have five picks already in the top three rounds. You trade down out of that number one overall spot. You can get a King's ransom of picks, maybe a player or two, depending on who you're matched up with. And you have the potential to be absolutely flush with draft picks like john gruden wouldn't believe how many draft picks you could have and you have the ability to surround sam darnold a promising young quarterback i like that idea with promising young playmakers blockers defenders whatever because the jets have no shortage of holes right now and you can have a young cheap exciting team for the next five years minimum there i, I think that that's i believe i believe if you take if you take Trevor, that it's not going to be much much of a difference. I, I still not on its for own. some reason. Now I will say I, I had a change. I, I do I'll get. Say, I had a change of heart on on Donald a little bit. I, yeah, I, and I think I'm, he, I'm... he has it. He has a similar, like you say, a trim, a similar path that Ryan Tannehill had. I mean, the Dolphins were a bit better than the Jets. Maybe even the, could say a lot better, but not. A, I wouldn't say a lot better. They had some absolutely piss poor years and he, he still did some magic with that team and Donald has done a little bit of magic not as much I would say as Tannehill did back when he was with Miami but if you release Donald he's gonna go somewhere and, and do good yeah and 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 here's the thing that frustrates me two points I want to make one there's been a lot of talk in you know fan forums and everything compare from the time they were both drafted comparing because they're in the same division Sam Donald and Josh Allen if you Ooh, had switched the two, two different players, though, my yeah, no, I know, no, no, no but I, I, I'm trying to make a point here. Yeah, you switch the two. Say Josh Allen were drafted by the Jets and Sam Darnold were drafted by the Bills. The Bills would still be really good, and everyone would be talking about how great Sam Darnold is, and everyone would be asking whether Josh Allen was the guy and talking about Trevor Lawrence. Like of course. the situation. I mean, I mean, but that's that, because that's. I'm saying that's something obvious. Like, I mean, if, if yeah, Mahomes no, I know, but a lot of people, but here's the Chiefs, why I'm saying they, it. they wouldn't, he wouldn't be Mahomes, and neither would Russell. Because Russell wouldn't be Russell if he wasn't drafted to a halfway right. decent team off the bat. Right, but but that's the point I'm trying to make. But because so many Jet fans don't get that, they just see the team being garbage and say Sam isn't the guy. And that's the point I'm trying to make: is it's not as cut and dry as that. And the fact that he's been able to perform as well as he has given what he's working with is actually pretty impressive. I would say Um, that's, that's number one. And really it just comes down to 
you know, you're not just passing up. If you trade down, you're not just, if you draft Trevor Lawrence, you're passing up the ability to build around Sam Darnold. But if you do that, build you're also passing up you on the future. Yeah. And, but if you pass up, but if you do that, you're not just passing up on Sam Darnold and trading him and getting whatever you get for him. Which wouldn't be yeah, a bad I think haul. that I think the Jets should definitely trade back if they if they do go you know zero and sixteen whatever the case may be and they get the first pick. I, listen, I think I still believe in Sam Donald. I just think yes. the issue is coaching and the lack of talent around them. They, you know they drafted Beckton last year. That's a good start at left tackle, but I believe I think that you know with all the first round picks, you know you said they had what two. I I think that if they could create a package deal for the first rounder, maybe get a player and two first rounders or something or just you know another another first rounder whatever and a player that might help Sam Darnold plus you know give you a third pick a little bit farther back um i, I think that'll be you know it'll be a better thing for the jets cuz the issue for, in my opinion isn't the quarterback it's the head coach it's the it's 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 the surrounding parts for Sam Darnold that they need to fix first and i and i'll just say this uh, so many jets fans say this uh, that i talk to they say Sam will be good, but not here. No, if you think if you think all right, it's one thing if you think he's a total bust and you don't want and you don't think he'll make it in the NFL. Then in that case, all right, move on from him. But if you think that he can be good somewhere else, guess what? There, there's no nothing magic in the water in Florham Park that's stopping him from being good. It's the coaching staff and it's the talent around him. You can fix that. You can make a better situation for him. And if you do that, if you trade out of number one overall pick and you get that boatload of picks, uh, players, whatever the package ends up being, guess what? You've just accelerated the timeline for being a competitive football team again by a year or two. That, yeah, that's what I mean, we're really talking about here. You're pulling a Cowboys if you go and draft Trevor Lawrence right now without any supporting cast yep. around it. You're just doing it to sell jerseys and sell seats, but you're never trying to be a competitive football team, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, because even, really even even the even the, the the Bengals, like everyone says, the Bengals were so bad, and now they're not that bad with Joe Burrow. But they have a way better cast than the than the Jets do. I mean, the average NFL fan couldn't even name a singular player now, other than Sam Darnold, on the Jets. What do you guys think? I, I've been I've been sitting here thinking about you know, if the Jets were to get the first pick, or the Giants, whoever, I'm thinking of teams that might. You know, want to trade for that first pick and have a, have enough in their in their bag to to give a out to these teams. Team what do you guys think boy. about the Colts trading up for the first pick and getting Trevor Lawrence? They already have the O line. They already have a defense. They just need a couple, maybe a couple more receivers. And let's keep in mind they have a lot of injuries there. They just drafted Jonathan Taylor last year in the second round. If they were to trade up and get Jonathan Taylor, the Colt or uh, trade up and get Trevor Lawrence. Excuse me. The Colts could be one of the best teams in the league if Trevor Lawrence plays to that status that we're all thinking about, and you know that we all predict he will. There's a lot of there's a lot of options on the table. I mean, they're, the Colts might not be the most desperate. Even I mean, who knows? We gotta just gotta get there first. But it definitely looks like number one is gonna be. It's definitely in the arsenal right now. Time for Can We Just Talk here on the WRSU Crew Tuesday edition. Jake Schmid, Dylan Allen, Brant Wolf, and Chris Sakonis. 
we had a really lengthy discussion about the Jets and the Cowboys and Trevor Lawrence. I thought that was a really that was really good. Like I, that was so much. I think that was the most Jets like interaction of Jets ideas that I've heard probably <laughs> my whole life, Chris. They they gotta they gotta be listening to us. Listen, I think look here the I'll make this really quick and then I'll move on from it. The Jets fan base is single-handedly focused on Trevor Lawrence, but if they trade out and they commit to Sam Darnold, they will be so much closer to competing and making the playoffs. That's all I'm going to say. So we're going to spin the wheel right now, see who it lands on. Brant, you got it. What do you got for us? All right, well, uh, I'm sure this has been brought up before, uh, honestly, uh, on, on one of these crews, but I just want to know what your guys' idea is for when you think that everything is going to somewhat go back to normal with the whole coronavirus situation. Because what we're seeing with, with football and all this is these teams are getting players now who are getting, uh, you know, testing positive for coronavirus and gyms are slowly starting to open back up and restaurants, some of them are allowing you to go inside and then you take your mask off inside. And it, it's just this whole confusing thing. And me personally, I just want to be able to go to the movies again. I miss my blockbusters coming out. I miss being able to eat some movie theater popcorn and sit down. And this has just been extremely affecting everyone. So I just want to know what your guys' opinion is on, on what you think needs to be done or when you think we're going to be back to back to, square one i i think it's i, I think it's going to be like a gradual process i don't think it's going to be like you know uh because it's april just 30, it's, it's... april 30th it's going to be like completely uh like how it is now and then may 1st is going to be completely normal like yeah, I think we're, as... we're already expecting no fans at, at rutgers basketball games right well yeah but here, here here's the other thing i keep in mind though because football and basketball are like different because football if you get look, I, I've kind of changed my viewpoint on this a little bit as time has gone on. Um, if you put like say SHI Stadium seats like fifty three thousand fans, you put like five thousand people there and spread them out, like that's probably safe. There should be no problem at all. Like no, why are these other I'm, schools I, doing this? But they're being overly TV cautious. Watching. Keep in mind, Rutgers like did not want to play at all until like right before they changed their mind. So yeah. like Rutgers is being very cautious about it, and like. I mean, it's good that they're being careful and they're not taking risks, but like, I think if you let a couple thousand fans into SHI Stadium, like that's probably that's probably safe, I think. But yeah, well, would, I don't know. Maybe you guys the, have the answer to this before you keep going. Do, are, are other Big Ten um, schools going to be having no. fans? No, no, it was oh, a no. league-wide thing. They said no fans. Just uh, okay. I mean, uh, I guess I guess I have of less players. of an issue with that. I guess I have less of an issue with that then, but it's like. It just seems like some some people are trying to be, you know, stand by the law, and other people are trying to, you know, just buck it and yeah, buck the, the SEC system. has not done a good job with this. Yeah, and and it, that's that's what's annoying. That's what's annoying to me because now the people are visually seeing that we're giving less and less of a less and less of a care towards this thing, and a, a lot of people are just probably wanting to get back to normal by now. And I mean, it I, seems like we're trending towards the direction of school online next semester too no fans yeah. at Rutgers basketball games I know everyone was hyped for that and it's it's brutal yeah well the thing but the point I was trying to make before um the thing with basketball is it's indoors and yes. indoors as we know is a lot riskier than outdoors 
it's one thing to open up indoor dining at lower capacity. It's another to, you know, let a thousand people, even if it's reduced capacity into a Rutgers basketball game. So I do understand why they're doing that. Um, I, I will say no, this. I understand though, about, it. I, I, it's just, yeah. it's just a big no, topic going on. In the yeah. States yeah. One, one but I will say this though about the outdoors fans. Uh, I know Pennsylvania is allowing a couple thousand fans now and Connecticut allowed 5,000 fans to go to a MLS game. I get the feeling and I could be wrong, but I get the feeling that I think New Jersey might relax that for outdoor games sooner rather than later. Um, Would that so mean that Rutgers or is it's already just established that there's well, no, I don't know that... what Rutgers like, even if, if the governor says, okay, you can have fans in the stands. I don't know if Rutgers will do it. But I know the NFL teams will definitely do it. The uh, Red Bulls will definitely do it. Um, but yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm with you, Brant. Look, I, I did the uh, Last Dance World Series um, uh, over the summer, the high school baseball tournament we called on WRSU. They had yep. 500 fans in a minor league ballpark. Like, and, and they were spread out. Like, it was fine. That, that kind of helped to change my viewpoint on it. But um, to your point about Rutgers being online, um, I believe I saw they're letting 3,300 or so people live in the apartments next year. Next year. Uh, I read something semester. about optional too, like optional if you want to go to class or not. I read something about that. Really? Potentially. I didn't see anything about that. But I mean, for some, for some classes, again, like, but yeah, it, I know Sky it, is probably going to be online. Yeah. I don't I don't know, man. I, it's just to me, I'm, I'm seeing more and more like, you know, in five, not even five months, but four months ago or three months ago, we would have been talking about, oh, if a couple players on this team, like we're seeing in the NFL get test positive for, for COVID, we would have been looking at the whole entire NFL re-shutting down. But now it's getting to the yeah. point where a bunch of people are getting it and we're still moving forward with this thing. So I just wanted to know where you guys' minds were on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I just think at this point, I feel like you can, as long as it's an outdoor event like football, basketball is a different story just because it's indoors. Um, like Chris said, it's, yeah. it's riskier for indoor activities with people, like with a lot of people involved. But as far as football goes, the, the NFL, a lot of fan bases, like the Chiefs, they've had fans since week one. Um, yes. It's an outdoor sport, and, you know, people can have outdoor events now, like protests or whatever. They're on the yeah, street that, for whatever why. cause. They can go out and protest for whatever. Um, I, I think that, you know, and even for Rutgers, them just getting money, whatever money they can through ticket sales and everything like that, just I, I just I don't see the harm in, you know, spreading everyone out because as it is, not a lot of people go to these games anyway. But yeah, that, that, I just, that's what I'm saying. If, if wanna, there's a couple cases, the first try you do it, I understand, shut it down, whatever. But you know, if it's smooth sailing, then I don't, I don't see the harm in at least trying. You know what I mean? Most of the people, or maybe just limited to college students, only because they're a lower risk to getting it and to you know, so people lower, lower suffering risk from it, it more than you know yeah. older people. Um, I just feel We're like definitely at higher risk, and I mean, especially. High Giants and Jets, you know, they should definitely allow fans just because, you know, it's a business. The NFL is a business as opposed to college, you know, academics and all that stuff. There's a lot more going on with the Jets and Giants. It's just strictly football. Um, people will pay money to go watch your team no matter how bad it is. And when you restrict it to, let's say, 3,000 fans, you're going to have 3,000 fans every week because if it was normal, you would have, you know, in the Jets and Giants situation, you'd have maybe 15,000, 20,000, you know, and that's – 
oh and with an oh and six and one of five, one and five team you're gonna get those three thousand people or whatever you set the limit at to show up i i think it's just worth a try i i that's just what i think about it i will say this though about like businesses in general um i know the governor was talking about this the other day even though cases have gone up a little bit in new jersey like he said like the reopening of businesses wasn't really what was causing it it was more like people being reckless and having like really large gatherings, like in their houses and stuff. I mean, don't need to talk about Rutgers and house parties. They go hand in hand, but no. um, Yeah. True. I find that encouraging in that. I don't think we're going to get to a point where it's like stay at home all the time. Like you can't go anywhere than like the supermarket. Like I I do think we're moving on from that, which is good. The vibe, the vibe is, is definitely in my opinion, has moved on from, stay at home now but it's just they're still stripping us of a few luxuries which are major yeah. luxuries honestly in all of our lives i would assume which is a lot of entertainment things sports rockers basketball movies uh gyms are still like somewhat difficult even though they're opening up like it, it's gym gyms are finicky for me because every time you want to go like sometimes I, I would go and i just i can and when i have the free time and, and when my body feels like it's ready to go i, I don't like all the time having to schedule and an appointment and go do you go to the Rutgers gyms only one of them is open yeah only Bush which is yeah the one I've heard about which that which is the one on Bush which I think again is, is ridiculous I, I yeah why have really they opened why. up the College Ave one at all right like I thought they because, would like yeah, by now there's just there's just a double that's what I'm saying there's a double standard going on with this so what one team can travel to an NFL team where there's fans there and risk getting it but then they're going to be the bigger person at their home stadium and not have anyone there too it's just the the rules are slowly starting to become blurred with it which is why I I, I was just wondering where you guys stood on it yeah um I will say this though like I know that the like commercial gyms have been a lot uh easier to deal with like I went to the gym today yeah, I go like three, four times a week. And people are like spread out. They're not like ignoring the rules or anything. Everyone's wearing a mask, but um, I've never had trouble getting in. I've never had trouble like, you know, getting a machine because of social distancing or anything. Like that hasn't really been an issue for me. Uh, yeah. I was there earlier today. It's actually kind of nice because there aren't that many people there. I think I've mentioned this yeah. before, but like it's it used to be really crowded, but now you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I feel like I feel like well, there's one thing's one thing's for sure, and that's whether you take a positive or a negative from it, this whole thing has altered the course of our lives in a way. Yeah. I mean, I you're mean, talking to someone like, who has to call a football game off a monitor this weekend. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just uh, a lot of things. I used to be somebody who would absolutely wake up in the morning. And when, if I went to bed, if I went to bed later that night, not having gone to the gym, I would actually be paranoid and bugging yeah. out. And now, and now I'm at the point where I'm, I'm sitting there like, ah, I don't know. I, I know that's just the gym. Gyms are one thing, but another thing would be eating out all the time. I used to eat out all the all the time, and now if I eat out, you know, three times in a week, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I need to take it easy. I, I gotta go back to cooking now, like all that type of stuff. So it it, it just it's interesting how it changed it. I used to, like I said, always want to go to movies and things like that, and now I find myself watching more movies online. It's it, it just it's it's interesting. Uh, it's interesting to see how the world is going to find its way back to normal or if it does even, but yeah, yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. To your point, Brent, that's really interesting. I mean, I feel the same way. Like if I eat out like four or five times a week, I'm like, what's wrong with me? Right. If I go to Hansel or Fritz's all the time. Um, but it's really, it's all the time. Oh my God. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's really, it's really something else. I mean, you know, it's going to be some time before things start to get back to normal. And right now in like, 
in April or May, right? Yeah, when I think it was Chris or both of you, when you're talking about uh, the NFL and how if they got COVID cases, they would shut it, shutter it completely. I mean, now we're at this point where we know more about this virus. Vaccines are in trials. Um, it's interesting to see how it's going to progress, but it's going to hurt. Like like Rutgers basketball, we rely on that um, that six man energy, like from the rack crowd and the Scarlet Faithful. That's not really that's not going to be evident like this season. And we talked about that a lot extensively. I mean, you know, it's it's really a different uh, life that we're all in right now. It's is we're all I guess navigating how to figure it out. Yep, definitely. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, you know, the only one gym is open right now. Um, I thought they were gonna have more open. Uh, 